Welcome to the What is Crypto podcast with your boy Nye. This is Matthew Aaron, and today we have on Alexander Zeidelson of Beam, and he's here to tell us all about what is Mimble Wimble. Briefly, before you get into this, Mimble Wimble, I had to say it slow because it's a little bit of a tongue twister, is a way to make your transactions, to make your electronic cash private. And there's a lot of different privacy coins out there or privacy cryptocurrencies from Monero to Zcash to Grin to Sumo to eh, there's a lot of them. And Beam is one of them. Beam is using the Mimble Wimble protocol to make their transactions private. How does it work? Why does it work better than other ones? What are the use cases for Mimble Wimble that other ones might not have? Or what are the drawbacks to this protocol well he's here to tell you all of that before we get into that pause this go to itunes leave us a comment and five stars so this pops up on other people's feeds other people's suggestions when they're looking for a crypto pod so they can get beginner intro information on all kinds of topics enjoy the show can we just start off by you sharing what is your name and your title? My name is Alexander Zidelson and I'm the CEO at Beam. How would you describe yourself? Uh, I'm an entrepreneur, technology and product enthusiast, and a big believer in crypto and in privacy. So the question is how I use crypto in my day-to-day life. So I'd say my usage of crypto is twofold. So, so one is, you know, building a portfolio for the future. So it's uh, investment, hodling, and keeping the crypto with me. And I'm talking about mostly Beam, obviously, but also other currencies for the future. Now, in addition to that, uh, there's a growing number of places where I can use my crypto. So specifically at Beam, we have, I think, over 150 different stores where I can use it. So I occasionally pay for VPN services with Beam. I wouldn't say which. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm buying uh, some merchandise with Beam here and there. Now, I do hope that with time, there will be more and more uh, crypto-friendly retailers that where I'll be able to use my Beam or another currency to buy things, uh, but that that will still take time. So for the moment, we need to stick to our crypto, hodl, and maybe occasionally try different services out and pay for them in crypto. I really want to talk about Mimblewimble. I really want to discuss uh, what you guys have built there. But before we get all into that, can you just share your definition of privacy? What is privacy? So I would say privacy is having control over your information in all aspects of your of your life and specifically in the financial aspect, you know, choosing who to share your information with or choosing not to share it at all. That is privacy. On the other hand, absence of privacy is when your information can be perused, read or shared by somebody without getting your consent. And what's wrong with the current model of privacy that we see today in the world? So in general, we're seeing that our information is being collected in so many different ways by so many, actually not so many, by by in so many instances, but by a relatively small number of, of huge players that use that information and sometimes sell it and sometimes leak it as they wish. So we see that our privacy is being taken away all the time 
by those big players that include multinationals and governments. So the state of privacy today, I would say, is pretty bad uh, in general. Now, if we look at crypto, you know, initially the, the dream of Bitcoin was to create electronic money uh, or something that can replace money eventually. And that's frankly, that idea actually was fascinating to me. And that that's that was what brought me into this industry because I saw that the potential can be huge, right? The amount of money in the world is whatever, $90 trillion or, or more. And, you know, Bitcoin or all the crypto market cap is like way, way, way smaller than this figure. So potent, potential of our industry is huge. Uh, the, the dominant cryptocurrencies today don't give any privacy. I realize that if you want to replace money, it's hard to imagine how you can have money that is not private, how you can have money where everyone and anyone can, with very little effort, see all your financial history, all your all the counterparties you're trading with, and so on and so forth. So our privacy in crypto space is not doing great either. Agreed, man. Agreed. And we're. I think what you guys have built is something unique and different. But before we, I, I really want to dive into Member Wimble. But before we do, what's wrong with the currency, pri current privacy tokens like, uh, like Zcash, XMR, etc. So uh, it's not that there is something wrong with them, uh, but I would say they built their technology on top of Bitcoin architecture, right? Monero used one uh, approach. Zcash used another approach, but the result was in, in very layman terms, and I'm not a cryptographer. In a in a very layman terms, you take Bitcoin architecture and then you put a lot of stuff on top of it, very smart, very sophisticated stuff, in order to hide the information, right? Because in Bitcoin, everything is in the open. So I want to build Monero, so I create those ring signatures. So I'm putting other stuff on top of of Bitcoin to hide uh, to hide the information. Now the result is that my blockchain becomes very big. Okay, and uh, for example, Monero's blockchain right now is like five times bigger than Bitcoin's per transaction, and, and Zcash is, is nine times bigger. And the result is that it really hurts decentralization, right? Because if my blockchain uh, becomes like five terabytes or or even two terabytes, right, then Imagine I need like a very a, a very special kind of equipment to run a full node, which means that a regular Joe cannot run a full node. And we're now talking about those sizes which are happening now, right? Today, Bitcoin is about 250 gigs, which is kind of, you know, you can run it from your home. But if Monero was the same size uh, in terms of transaction volume and, and number of transactions, it would be like close to 1.5 terabytes, which is, you know, already harder. And then if we look forward, it's harder and harder to run a full node, which leads to only specialized bodies being able to run those full nodes, which kind of deletes and, and, and really, really makes decentralization hard. So that's that's what's wrong. And Mimblewimble is actually the first protocol that puts... Or the first architecture that that has privacy built in on the very basic layer. So there is actually no information on the blockchain that needs to be hidden. And therefore, the protocol allows for a very compact blockchain and for great privacy. Tell us a little bit about more about Mimblewimble. What is it? Uh, I know you gave, just gave a very ba basic description, sure. but what so, is it? Uh, and tell us. Tell us also a little bit about the origin story. Okay, so the origin story is uh, very uh, much in line with the 
crypto ethos. So the protocol was published by an anonymous author uh, in uh, July 2016. Uh, the author is obviously a big fan of Harry Potter uh, series because the name of the protocol actually is a spell. Mimbalumal is a spell from the from Harry Potter. It's a spell that makes you silent, so you cannot divulge uh, information, uh, which is what the protocol actually does. And uh, the uh, paper was signed uh, Thomas Elvis Jedusor, which is the French translation of Tom Malvolo Riddle, which is the, the the original name of Voldemort. So the protocol actually is very simple. Some of the innovations are that there are no addresses at all in the protocol and that the blockchain doesn't have to store history. So the, the Mimblewimble and Mimblewimble blockchain actually just stores the current state of all the UTXOs, of all the coins. Right Now, each coin is represented by something called a Pedersen commitment, uh, which is a mathematical construct which hides uh, both the amount and the ownership of the coin. And only the owner can unlock the coin and use it. So if you look at the blockchain, you just see a lot of those UTXOs, but you don't know the value of each one and you don't know who it belongs to. Now, when a transaction happens between the two parties, they have to communicate to create a transaction. So the, the sender puts in the inputs and, and, and the, the recipient or recipients receive the outputs. They, they put this transaction together and they prove that the total sum of all inputs equals to the total sum of all outputs. And then the miners verify that and then the inputs are burn, they, they are removed and the outputs appear now in the blockchain and that is the new state of the blockchain. The information about the actual transaction is not really stored. So again, the blockchain always only stores the current state of the UTXO. So in fact, there is no history. You don't need to go through all the history to validate the status of the blockchain and to validate that it's correct. So that's the beauty of the protocol. So it achieves confidentiality. Again, the blockchain doesn't have history and doesn't even have any identifier of the wallet. There is no such thing as an address. And it, it because we only store the current states, it's pretty compact. Now, the downside of the protocol is, if you paid attention, that in order to create a transaction, the, the, the sender and the recipient have to talk have to establish connection and they have to build this transaction together and sign it. So this is the downside of the protocol. And what's the difference between Beam versus Grin? Because I know they both run on the Mimblewimble protocol, yeah. if I'm following that correctly. Yeah, so so there are several differences. So in terms of technology, I would say the main difference in, in terms of, you know, the user that is user facing is, is usability, right? Remember, I mentioned that you need to establish this connection between the two wallets in order to speak and to create a transaction. So in Beam, we created an additional layer that create that has those transient addresses, which are not stored in the blockchain, but that help the two wallets communicate. So your experience when sending or receiving uh, Beam with Beam wallets is very much alike using Bitcoin or, or any other cryptocurrencies. You hit the receive button, you get an address, you send it to your counterparty, and then and then they just send it to you. And also our wallets are very, very user-friendly. So so this is the, the usability difference. Very important. If you try to use uh, green wallets, they are uh, much more involved uh, 
to use and, and harder to use. Another difference is the monetary policy, probably more uh, more important for uh, traders. So Beam follows the classical uh, Bitcoin model. It's it's a deflationary capped supply coin with a total supply of 262 million coins over 133 years, while Grin has constant emission forever. There is one Grin uh, being minted every second uh, forever. That's another difference. And the third important difference is governance, right? So Beam was started as a company, while Grin from the get-go was a fully decentralized project without anybody, any corporation that is responsible for it um, and only developed by people uh, on volunteering basis. Now, uh, we believe that this startup model with a funded core team that we are following is better for the for an initial stage of a project and we actually i think we've proven that because the amount of code and and releases that we created in in this short period of time that we exist actually proves that by having a dedicated team working on the project 24 7 you can achieve much more much better results than uh without it but uh with time we will be moving to a more decentralized model so actually we have set up a beam foundation that has some funding uh which is part of the founder's reward uh, of the treasury that uh, our financial model is based on. This foundation will be run by an independent board of directors and, and it will distribute the funding for uh, continuous development of the protocol with the goal after five years of making it really fully decentralized. I mean, I think the main meat of the conversation, the, the really thing I want to ask you is, do you think people are being too paranoid with privacy? Or do you think this is actually a concrete issue that we're facing today? Because really, when we look in society, the fact, the factual matter is nobody cares about their privacy. It's just the truth. Sadly, it is like true. Uh, and companies like Facebook and, and other ones may use, and even to the point of abuse, uh, the, this data that, that people give them. Um, but the matter of fact is 99.9% .9 of people uh, outside of crypto do not care about their privacy at all. Why, are, the, are we being too paranoid? And if not, why should people care? Well, I don't think we are. I think we're not paranoid. And I actually think that, you know, I wouldn't fully agree that people don't care about privacy. Like maybe a regular person doesn't care about privacy, but we do see that all kinds of non-governmental groups and also governments are concerned with privacy. We see the GDPR, which is a good, a good thing that, that is aimed to, at protecting people's privacy. We see, you know, what Zuckerberg had to go through at, uh, in the U.S. Congress. So we see that actually people do care. Uh, and again, while a, a regular, a, a regular uh, person might not fully understand the need for privacy, but they do that. But when they hear about privacy leaks, they do become concerned, right? When somebody's credit card history is uh, leaks online, they're kind of annoyed and, and, and sometimes scared. So I think you can't be too paranoid about privacy because you need to understand that if your information that you think is private uh, leaks to somebody who doesn't like you or wants to hurt you, they can do it, right? If somebody gets your financial history or you know your credit card statement of what you are buying 
then they can start just by, you know, making fun of you by asking, you know, why did you go to this liquor store at 2 a.m.? Or why did you buy flowers in a city where you don't live or stuff like this, right? And you will have a hard time explaining why you did that, right? I think we, we all need to be very conscious about privacy and, and especially, not only, but especially in the financial matters. And I would say that in crypto, also, not everyone realizes that, you know, sometimes we come to meetups uh, with, with we, you know, even with our uh, our fans, our, our crowd, uh, and, and, you know, not everyone realizes that whatever they do on Bitcoin or Ethereum is fully in the open and can be observed and reviewed and, and, and ridiculed or whatever by, by anyone. So, so on, on the one hand, we do have this positive pro-privacy movement, both from NGO sides and from the government side. On the other hand, we still need to continue and educate people and explain that they should value their information and that they should make sure it doesn't get in the wrong hands. Really, the final real question I have for you is why do we need so many of these privacy protocols? You know, we've got XMR, uh, we've got Zcash, now we have Mimblewimble, and not only in Mimble, inside of Mimblewimble are utilizing Mimblewimble, we have Beam, we have Grin. Why are there so a need for so many? Is it because we're still in an experimental phase and we're trying to figure out which one's best, or do each just serve different needs in the privacy sector? So, uh, uh, I would divide the question in you know, the answer in two. So first, why do we need different protocols? That's because there is an evolution, right? So uh, Mimblewimble is a new protocol that has some very desirable properties that neither XMR nor Zcash have, which is very nice scalability, which is very important. And, and we might have more protocols. We might have better protocols in the future, right? Because, you know, the, the, the science and cryptography is developing all the time. So we try new things, we implement new things, and we show they are better. Now, why do we need several implementations of the same protocol? Uh, I guess it's, uh, we might not even need that. But on the other hand, competition is very good, right? And when you have projects with substance, it's, it's really good, right? Because then there is this fertile ground of people exchanging ideas. And by the way, we do that all the time with, uh, with green guys. It is good to have competition. It's good to have multiple teams working in a similar direction because especially in our open source environment and our somewhat cooperative uh, development environment, it's really good for everyone to have multiple projects and multiple smart people looking at the same problems and solving them in a different way. So that would be my answer. I love it a lot. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on, Alexander. I really appreciate your time. Great, great. It was a pleasure to be here as well. And uh, I hope I was able to answer in a meaningful way. Thank you for listening to the What Is Crypto podcast with your boy Nye. And thank you, Alex, for coming on the show. I really like talking to Alex. Before I get into your DYOR, a little bit of a rant. I'm still not convinced that naming your protocols or your cryptocurrencies after your favorite geek fandom thing is the best thing. Mimblewimble, even though it's clever. I mean, it's, it's clever as hell. We got to admit that. But, you know, even, you know, I love uh, Loy Lu of Kyber, but Kyber, Kyber Crystals, Star Wars, Thor, Thor Chain, Marvel Comics, you know, between Harry Potter, Star Wars and comic books. I mean, that's basically half the names in all crypto. <laughs> Is it really beneficial for the future to make a viable market 
viable go, uh, to market for the masses product i, I don't know I, where the market's gonna have to see we're gonna see how this plays out i'm skeptical that's what i'm saying is i'm skeptical alex always comes on the show and i love listening to alex because i am very involved with the ideology the whys we're doing this and i know a little bit about the tech but it's just kind of like if this was the globe i know i know the crust but alex always digs into the mantle and the core and i always come out of a conversation with him knowing a lot more than i thought i was gonna know and able to apply that to what i already do know so thank you alex for digging a little deeper than i usually go in my research your dyor your do your own research is to think about your own definition of privacy and i and i after talking to fluffy pony of monero on my show once crypto 101 i did a whole series on privacy and it's always the same people always say why does it matter if you're not doing anything illegal who cares right that's not the case even legal things if people find out what you spend your money on can really impact their opinion on you because of their own biases yes of course the whole bedroom things that you can i bought sex toys or birth control or condoms or you know lube at costco two gallons 5.99 if those things get out people could have an opinion could it could change their perception of you especially depending on your relationship with the person if you're in a management position or it's your kids maybe it's your grandparents and you saw their costco shopping list not only that but prescription drugs or anything imagine if your insurance company found out that you were buying the normal cheese not the fat-free cheese even though they're giving you medications for your heart now it's probably not the best thing to do but it can really impact how people react to you and it could react to you negatively of course not positively most most of the time negatively so what i want you to do is i want you to think about your definition of privacy why privacy is important and go outside the box don't just talk about illegal and nefarious things think about what you do every day and why you need to just keep it under wraps and how and how somebody can weaponize your day-to-day lives if they find out think about that we'll see you in future episodes of the what is crypto podcast